Woke up quick at about noon. Welcome into the Tuesday, June 23rd edition of the podcast with Amy Barlin, presented by Vibe Health Bar, where you can grab your superfood smoothies, acai bowls, and the best organic cold-pressed juices in all of the city. they got locations in East Sacramento, Oak Park, and Folsom. We appreciate you so much for being here, downloading, subscribing. We thank you so much for listening. We hope you go check out what we're building over there on Patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Uh, if you're a wrestling fan, past or present, hope you'll check out Relive, my latest podcast venture. It's a documentary-style podcast. Includes a lot of audio, a lot of sound. is available for you here on this very same podcast platform that you are listening to this show on. When you get an opportunity, go check it out. I really think uh, that you'll dig it. We're dropping a new episode tomorrow morning featuring Daniel Bryan's journey to WrestleMania 30. We've got a 12-episode first season coming up here for you, and we're getting ready to launch episode number four tomorrow. So uh, spend a day getting caught up. We've got episodes with The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, as well as CM Punk and John Cena at that famous match in Chicago back at Money in the Bank in 2011. Episode number three, I thought was uh, I thought it was the best one of the season so far. Uh, even when I factor in the episodes that I've already finished and haven't posted yet, I still think episode number three was the best. There was so much happening. It centers around WrestleMania 10, Lex Luger, Bret Hart, steroid trial, sexual harassment allegations. There's so many things going on uh, within this one episode. So I hope you'll give it an opportunity. Uh, I hope you'll check it out. And most importantly, uh, I hope you'll dig it. It's called Relive with Damien Barling. It is available on this podcast platform, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're listening, uh, it is available for you right there. Uh, let's start with some NBA news. As a matter of fact, let's start with news on your Sacramento Kings. Oh, this is nice. This is so comforting to be able to talk about basketball. I'm hesitant because I really want to start talking about, okay, we're here we're getting ready to go to practice. We're getting ready to do these scrimmages. Okay, now what's going to happen when this season restarts? Like, I'm really anxious to, I'm really anxious to get to that point. But it, it's, I'm hesitant because I feel like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, with everything that's going on in Orlando, with everything that's really going on across the country, and all of these, you know, there, there, there's an alert this morning that Novak Djokovic tested positive for coronavirus. You know, the number one tennis player in the world. Man, when you play tennis, you're playing like, what, what, like 70 something feet apart. But he orchestrated, you know, a tennis event. And I, I think he was a little bit irresponsible. I, I, I think all members, I think they went to like a nightclub. They did a number of different things that probably weren't the most responsible, you know, actions. But it's uh, like, you know, with all of this, you know, doom and gloom news and rightfully so regarding the coronavirus in states like Arizona, if you've been following here locally on social media, you know what Lena Washington has been going through, you know, our friend over at ABC who lost her father, she had to fly, you know, uh, down to Arizona and be, of course, a part of his celebration of life while also trying to make it her mission that we've got to set, shut these states back down. We've got to protect people and that's what a lot of people have have kind of lost in all of this is oh well if i get it i get it whatever well yeah but you might pass it on to somebody else who who doesn't have that mentality to if i get it if i get it whatever or they don't have the uh the immune system that can hold up against it i feel like we're just in this really we're in this really dark place when it comes to the coronavirus where we we're just we don't want to acknowledge what's happening or we refuse to acknowledge what, what, what's happening or we just don't believe it's that big of a deal. 
And with cases surging in Orlando and all of this concern about the NBA restart, I'm hesitant. Again, I really want to dive in. Like, what is Houston's chance to pull this off? Right? Could Philadelphia have regrouped during this during this pandemic time? And could they be ready to go? Like, could they somehow launch a campaign to to be the NBA champions after all of this, after everything that they went through this season, could they launch a campaign to where they become the NBA champions? I feel like we're a little bit closer to being able to do that. And I really don't know that we're going to be able to do that until the actual season starts until the actual, you know, this, this abbreviated regular season continues, but there is Kings news. There is NBA news and it doesn't involve any sort of virus. Uh, It involves a fan favorite, uh, Corey Brewer, according to The Athletic, he will sign uh, with the Sacramento Kings. Many remember Corey Brewer. Of course, none of us can ever forget the fall uh, that Corey Brewer took during a Kings game. And you know, Brad and some of our good friends over at the Kings Herald will not allow us to forget it as they regularly post pictures uh, of the fall, uh, both drawn and otherwise over there on Twitter. But he signed a couple of 10-day contracts with the Kings last season and it's weird because when I say last season, my mind reverts to anything during like March. And I kept thinking like Corey Brewer wasn't on the Kings last season. It was two seasons ago, but it it's actually wasn't. It was last season. And he immediately became a fan favorite. And I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget Corey Brewer's first game. He comes over and, you know, Players have routines. Every player has a routine as to what time they come out uh, to work out before games, you know, the process that they go through, the last shot that they have to make, like everything they do. And there was such kind of a turnover uh, with the Kings roster that, you know, we had lost track of what everybody's routine was, but I would regularly be out there on the floor. Me and Jason would film a, I, I say film as if it was some big production. We would record with our iPhones a uh, like an IG live video or or a periscope video or I think we actually had Matt George holding two cameras or two phones and we would record you know one of each at the same time Uh, but we would do these shows so we would be out on the court quite a bit before the game started and we were standing near the bench I think we were getting ready to leave and Corey Brewer comes running out and you know the way Kings fans are Kings fans like they want to welcome everybody like you are loved here until you screw up and we don't love you anymore. But when you get here, you are loved. And so there was a contingent of Kings fans waiting for some of the new guys to make their first appearance. And out comes Corey Brewer and he gets the loud ovation. And he started on the side of the floor that me and Jason were standing on. And he runs out of the tunnel and he looks right at me and he sticks his hand out and he goes, Hey, I'm Corey. I'm like, Hey, Corey, I'm Damien. He says, All right. And he turns around and he steps behind the three-point line and he goes, all right, let's do this. And one of the coaches just, he starts his warm-up routine. And I just started laughing because he was so, he was so like, like, he just felt the energy of the fans. Like it's when he got out there, he wasn't exactly sure what to do. If memory serves me correctly, he was the only player out there at the time. Like it was before, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein and... Um, was it Costa? I think Costa Kufus and Harry Giles worked out together. Willie Collie Sign would always be the last one to finish his workout. Willie wasn't out yet. So it was, 
I, I think Costa was just kind of throwing up a couple of shots, but him and Harry were finished, and and it was it was just Corey there. And it was like he didn't really exactly know what to do, but he felt the energy from the Kings fans, and you could see it. And I thought that was... I don't know why it just made me laugh. And I, I remember turning to Jason going, all oh, Kings fans are going to love this guy. This guy is going to be everything that, that, that he wants and, or everything that Kings fan wants. So he goes through his warm up routine. He does the whole deal. And, you know, he had what I, I mean, I was hoping he would actually sign with the Kings uh, this off season. I would have hoping the Kings would make that extension to him uh, this, this past off season in an effort to, uh, to keep him on the roster. But Hey, I guess better late than never. Let's bring Corey Brewer with us to Orlando. Uh, and that's going to be the case. He will 34 years old. He is, uh, you know, he's again, he's one of those guys that Kings fans love. He gets up and down the floor. Uh, he is very, very aggressive on, on the defensive end and not a, not like a, not like a piss you off aggressive way on the defensive end, but you, you know that he's there. Like if, 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 if you're, if, if, if you're on the opposing team, you know, or you know Corey Brewer is there, and even if he's not in that moment, you know where you might be looking with the ball. Corey Brewer can get there, and he can get there really quickly because he is the type of guy who will sprint across the, the floor and, and, and like dive at a ball to bat away a pass just to knock the ball out of bounds and give the ball back to the team that had it in the first place. Like That's the type of player that Corey Brewer is, which is why Kings fans love him so much. I mean, Kings fans are very consistent in the players that they love. You go back and you think about Quincy Acey. How many players in the Sacramento Kings era were more popular than Quincy Acey? Well, Quincy Acey averaged like two points per game, point and a half. It wasn't that. It was the way that he played. It was the energy that he played with. That's why Kings fans adore Rashawn Holmes. Now, obviously, Rashawn Holmes is he's very good. He's turned into a really, really good player for the Sacramento Kings. But what 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 fans gravitated towards at first was, oh, look at look at his hustle, and of course. You know, he is the exact opposite of Willie Cauley-Stein. Willie Cauley-Stein's perceived lack of hustle, I disagree, but Willie Cauley-Stein's perceived lack of hustle rubbed a lot of Kings fans the wrong way. He had a different type of body language than Rashawn Holmes has. Rashawn Holmes has a 120-mile-per-hour body language at all times. You put Rashawn Holmes out there for 48 minutes, he is going to have 48 minutes worth of 120 miles per hour. He may have run out of gas somewhere midway through the third quarter, but that isn't going to stop him. And he is the type of player like Quincy Acey, like Corey Brewer. You know, you go back to Bobby Jackson. As great as Bobby Jackson was as the sixth man, he did everything that Kings fans adore. Kings fans have been so consistent uh, in their love and admiration for certain types of players in Corey Brewer uh, fits right into that list, and I think that's I, th I think it's exciting. I think it's awesome that the Kings have him uh, for the next eight games. I don't know what Corey Brewer's career look like looks like moving forward. I don't know if he even you know wants to play next year. I don't even know what these you know next couple of months are going to look like for players who do play. Uh, but I'm excited that the Kings have him. I, I guess this will be a, a, a an easy transition. We can tie these two stories in together. As I expect this to be a trend. Let me let me rephrase that. I expected it to be a trend for the next 24 hours where we would start hearing of players opting out of the season return. And we have started to hear it, but not necessarily of any, not any earth-shattering announcements. And I don't know that, I, 
to be clear, I don't think that we're going to get an earth-shattering announcement. Obviously, Chris Paul is not going to step away. Russell Westbrook isn't going to step away. Any of those, like, top, high, high-tier players, you know, Kyrie's not going. Like, we all know the story surrounding Kyrie Irving and all those different things. Like, he's not a part of this. He's injured, so he can't be a part of it. But I, I still wonder if there's a player that, that's just maybe right on the cusp, maybe an all-star, but maybe not considered a superstar, maybe a really important key player who comes forward and says, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't think I'm going to do this. I don't think I want to go. And, and Trevor Ariza made that announcement yesterday. He's opted out of participating in the NBA's restart uh, of the season in Orlando. Instead, he's going to focus on one-month visitation window that he has with his young son. Uh, Ariza, a former Sacramento King, by the way. And again, completely lost on me that Trevor Ariza was a Sacramento King this season. Got completely lost on what season is what. But Trevor Ariza was a member of the Sacramento Kings this season. Of course, he was traded in February, which absolutely feels like years and years and years ago. Uh, Ariza has been involved in a custody case over his 12-year-old son, and the mother's decision to grant a court-ordered one-month visitation period during the league's quarantine of teams in Orlando led Ariza to choose uh, his parenting responsibilities over competing with the Blazers. It's hard to, it's hard to knock that. It's hard to even be remotely upset with that. Uh, Trevor Ariza has had a very lengthy career. Uh, he's going to lose somewhere between one and $1.8 million if the Blazers qualify for the playoffs. I don't particularly think that they will. Uh, he had a minimally guaranteed $12.8 million, as Kings fans are all aware with, uh, are all aware of uh, this season. So it, I, I feel like we're going to get a couple of more of these. Can't knock Ariza. I can't knock anybody who doesn't want to be a part of this. Uh, Davis Burton's is another one. He's up for the Most Improved Player Award, almost certainly, this year. He's a member of the Washington Wizards. Washington Wizards are kind of in the same position that the Portland Trailblazers are, though. They have an opportunity to make the playoffs and do the eight versus nine gimmick, but in reality, eh, it's going to be difficult. The Washington Wizards have no business even thinking about being in the playoffs. But the way that this format is set up, they, they, they have that possibility. Uh, but Davis has said, nah, this isn't for me. This, this, this gimmick with the Washington Wizards, it's this, this gimmick in Orlando, this gimmick with the NBA, it's not for me. Uh, and he's, he's probably going to get a... a, a, a uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what free agency looks like this year. But he's probably going to get a pretty decent deal. If you're him, maybe you don't want to run the risk of something happening to you while you're going out and playing these you know, eight games in which you ultimately believe, even if you do somehow catch the Orlando Magic, even if you do get within that range of, well, maybe you you win the, you know, the stretch of playing games, maybe Orlando just falls apart and you win it outright or however, you're going to be fed to the Milwaukee Bucks. And I know there are miracles of one versus eight. I know there are weird circumstances where weird things happen. That, that isn't happening. The Washington Wizards are not beating the Milwaukee Bucks in a four-game series. It's just not. It's not happening. So I can't blame them. Again, can't blame anybody. Can't blame a single player who goes, ah, guys, I'm sorry, man, I don't want to do this. I love my teammates. I love my team. I, 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 I love the, 
the fans and all of that. I, I just, I don't want to do this. I think it's too dangerous. I think it's, it's too, uh, it's too much of a ask for us to do as NBA players. Like, I just don't like the idea. So those are two guys and they're, they're important players, but they're not, you know, and, and so what I would look for new Orleans, um, I'm definitely surprised we haven't heard something out of Phoenix yet because Phoenix really, Phoenix has no business being here. Phoenix is here because they're the, they're the, you know, we needed a, we needed an even number. That's why Phoenix is here. I'm surprised we haven't seen, you know, some names come out of Phoenix where we, we hear about guys not, not wanting to be a part of this. But I feel like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to hear more names not wanting to be a part of this. And you, you've got to make the announcement. I believe it's by tomorrow. Yeah, the 24th. So you've got to, you've, if, you, if, if you're not going to be a part of this, you've got to let your team know and you've got to let them know by tomorrow. I don't know what happens if you don't, by the way. Like what happens if you decide on Thursday you don't want to be a part of this? Like what does the league do? And I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm being genuinely serious. What happens if the player gets back to, gets back to their home market gets back to Sacramento, for example, and they just go, ah, this is uncomfortable. I don't, I don't want to be a part of this because you're going to walk into the facility now. You know, with players back and doing testing, I, don't, I, I, I know that teams that have players, excuse me, that have been in market, they could do individual workouts already because they've already been tested and the coaches that they have already been uh, working with have been tested. Uh, the uh, training personnel, the, 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 they've already been tested, but they're walking around with masks on. That's part of that's part of the NBA mandate is players or excuse me, uh, people who are in close contact with players, such as the trainers, uh, they've got to work out with masks on. And so I wonder if it's jarring for a player to think they're walking into this sanctuary that is their, you know, their NBA facility where they get all of their work done, where they've where they, that's this is where their second family is. They spend as much time with this group of guys and this group of people as they do their their, their regular family. But everybody's walking around with a mask. Some guys got masks and gloves on and you, you can't hug. You got to give like, vert, you know, air high fives or hair daps or whatever. And it's like, all right, it's a little bit different. What happens if someone decides on Thursday instead of Wednesday? Ah, not really down for this. We're for our first about day, day and a half into testing. Nothing catastrophic has been reported yet. Again, I, I, uh, my initial feeling on testing was we were going to get a really, really, really high number, forgetting that a number of players and coaches have already been tested because they've been working out in their, in their home markets already. Like they've already, they, if, if, you were, if you were here, if you were a Sacramento King, for example, and the Golden One Center was allowed to open back up uh, where the practice facility is, and you wanted to go get it a workout, and you had to have been tested. And from what I understand, players who are traveling back to the market go on quarantine for a couple of hours, uh, a couple of hours, for 48 hours, a couple of days, uh, before they come in and get the test. And the way that it's done in some places is, I, I don't know how it's done everywhere, but I've, I've gotten um, updates on how it's done in, in certain places. It's like you, it's almost, it's, it's, it's basically drive through it's basically a drive-through testing. They get the short nasal swab, and then you drive on, and you're you're on your way. You get the results. Um, it was supposed to be less than 24 hours later. 
it's going to be a whole lot of that uh, going on uh, for the next couple of days. And really, that's that's all we're really watching with the NBA because practice isn't starting. Just just workouts, which is why we have the long ramp up time. I didn't agree with the long ramp up time because I thought just go to Orlando and, 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 and do your best to seclude everybody, to isolate everybody. But I get why they're not. I didn't get it at first. I, I completely understand right now. Because if you get tested today, you have the opportunity to be healthy, hopefully. You have the opportunity to be healthy by the time, by the time you leave for Orlando on July 7th. And obviously they want every single person tested and they want as many people to be completely COVID-free by the time those airplanes land in Orlando and by the time they check into that hotel for the first time. Because they're going to want a place to blame on somebody else. If that bubble gets infiltrated, they're going to have to start looking around at, at hotel staff. And I, you know, I mean, I guess it's too, I was trying to think of, is there a way that NBA could hire hotel staff, like hire, like have employees be hotel staff somehow. And I know that sounds insane, but this whole situation is pretty insane. But then I realized we're talking about what three hotels we're talking about three hotels. We're talking about 1,600 NBA uh, employees, or we're talking about 1,600 people associated with this NBA party. Like, I can't imagine what the number of hotel staff you would need uh, to be able to take care of all these players. I mean, they've already got their own chef making their own food, uh, but I, I can't imagine how many, how many employees it would take to take care of the staff, and that's where these hotel employees come in. I know that there are things like, uh, like avoiding a crowded hallway. Like I, I know that there are like mandates. Like if you've gone to the grocery store over the last couple of months, you may have seen like one way stickers that everybody completely ignores, by the way, because we're not used to an aisle at a grocery store being a one way lane, but they are now. And, but it's, it's they're They're either not noticed or they're ignored one or the other, because no one is really doing that. And when you're in a hell hole, like Safeway, for example, like Safeway in Natomas. Safeway in Natomas is pretty much the COVID-19 mouth of hell because the aisles are extremely narrow as it is. The Safeway in Natomas already sucks when you're not in a pandemic. Under daily normal circumstances, the Safeway in Natomas sucks. But now you're worried about all of these people around you just being nasty and gross and infected with the disease that you could carry over, you know, to family members and friends. So what's already, I avoid going in there at all costs. They, they carry one thing that I have been unable to find in any other grocery store. And I attempt to buy, there are these, I don't want to call them healthy, but they're healthy alternatives to soda. They're, they're, it's a brand called Virgil's. And they have this zero cream soda. It is delicious. And it sips fantastically alongside a, a cold glass of Terramana or mixes beautifully with some French vanilla Ciroc. Flawless, right? May have had a little bit of that this weekend. But it's the only place that I can get it. Can't get it at Whole Foods. Can't get it at Sprouts. Can't get it on Amazon. Can't get it anywhere else. I got to go to Safeway. Walking into that Safeway in Natomas is like walking into the mouth of hell. 
It is awful and it is disgusting. But they are implementing these strategies at the hotel to where like there there can only be a certain number of people in the hallway. I don't know if there's going to be like a hallway security guard, right? Like, nope, nope, nope. LeBron, back in the room. Back at, hey, Fox, back in the room, pal. There's already four people in the hallway. Back it up, buddy. And get, nah, hey, you and Bagley both. Back in the room. Someone get Bagley's dad out of here. Sorry. That's just what I, I, I mean, I don't know how they're going to, I don't know how they're going to navigate all of this. Like, they're like a light out of room. Nope. Can't go into the hallway right now because there's, there's hotel staff. Like, I don't, I don't know what. This is just all so unprecedented. We don't know what any of this looks like. At this point, is what, you know, again, so excited to talk about what this might mean. Like, what are we just back to? Do we pretend the last few months haven't happened? And are we just looking at, okay, we've got the Lakers. We've got the Clippers. Is there anybody else in the Western Conference we've got to take seriously? Do we got to take Utah seriously? Utah's kind of been up and down. Do we got to take Denver seriously? Mike Malone and his group, he said he's already kicked COVID-19's ass. He wants to go out there and kick the Lakers and the Clippers' ass as well. Could it be a sleeper like Oklahoma City? I've made the joke that perhaps the Houston Rockets don't know that we're actually in the playoffs. If the Houston Rockets and Mike D'Antoni and James Harden don't know we're in the playoffs, well, maybe they, maybe, maybe they could succeed in a way that they haven't succeeded before. Russell Westbrook's hand is going to be healthy. Certainly healthier. Or, you know, the alternative to all of this is teams are rusty. They can't get in a rhythm. They're ha- and, and you're, by the way, they're, they're going to have to get into, we've, we've used the term new normal for so long. The players are going to have to get into a new, a new routine because every game is essentially the same. Players have routines at home. They have routines on the road. They have routines for certain start times. They have routines for everything that they do. All of those routines are going to be 100% different for the next 80, 90 some odd days. For the teams that are playing all the way into the finals, those are the teams that have been able to stay healthy and figure out how to navigate this weird landscape that they're in. I don't think there's going to be any... I mean, there's always going to be a mention of what this season was. People talk about an asterisk and it's not really going to count and it's not the same and it's blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't think that's the case. But you're not going to mention the 2020 season without mentioning what it has been. You're not going to talk about this season without mentioning the fact that there was a four-month break or four-and-a-half-month break or whatever it winds up being between games played. That'll, that'll never be the case, but even if a team like Denver, who is a good team, I mean, the only t- thing that I think people will look at and go, oh, this season doesn't even count. If somebody like Orlando winds up winning, which is just, that's not going to happen. No matter how off things are, Orlando beating Milwaukee four times. I mean, there are a lot of teams. I mean, look at, look at the Eastern Conference right now. Milwaukee. Can you see them winning the championship? Of course you can. They were a favorite to win the championship. That's easy. Toronto, I know it seems a smidge bit far-fetched because Kawhi Leonard's not there anymore. But 
Still, Toronto's 46 and 18. It's not insane to think that they can win the NBA championship. Boston, there's nothing outlandish about that. Miami, Miami's 41 and 24. They've played well. They've been a bit of surprise in terms of playing this well. They've been a bit of a surprise for me, but they're a team that is loaded with talent and a championship winning coach, a championship winning organization. Believable. Indiana, I'm, I've always been a big admirer of, of Nate McMillan and what they're building over there. And if Victor Oladipo is healthy and they're able to come back, I, that's a stretch, but not a super one. It, it's a stretch. Philadelphia winning isn't a stretch. Brooklyn, given the fact that there's no Kawhi Leonard and no Kevin Durant, that's a stretch, and they're below 500, well below 500, as is the Orlando Magic. They're below 500 as well. In, in, in Washington, of course, who is... Washington doesn't even deserve to be here, but I get it. I mean, there's only a couple of teams there. I mean, I just named, what, eight teams, nine teams? If I name nine, which I did, less than half. Are, Indiana is a, a bit of a stretch. Brooklyn, Orlando, and Washington. I don't think Miami is a huge stretch. Western Conference, kind of the same thing. Right, the Lakers are favorites. The Clippers are favorites. Then you've got the Nuggets, who are a preseason favorite to be atop of the, the Western Conference. I don't know they were a preseason favorite uh, to go on to the NBA Finals and win the championship. But if they did, terribly shocking? Eh, maybe a little bit, only because of you know the star factor. There's no LeBron. There's no Kawhi. There's no Paul George. There's no Anthony Davis. There's no Giannis. The Utah Jazz. Uh, Oklahoma City would shock a lot of people. Chris Paul is on the team. That You have that level of star power. But given that most people thought the Thunder would be out of the playoff conversation and the fact that they're 40 and 24 right now, above the Houston Rockets, by the way. You know, I, I catch some people off guard. Houston's not a stretch just because of the the star caliber of, of, of James Harden and, and, and Russell Westbrook, you have to imagine them succeeding in the playoffs with Mike D'Antoni, which is something that we haven't seen before. But if you said that the Houston Rockets were in the NBA Finals and you look at who's on the roster, you're not terribly shocked by that. You're more shocked at the fact that they advanced and played well enough to get there than you are by, oh, look at this roster. How did they get here? Dallas, a lot like Miami. Right, championship pedigree with Rick Carlisle. Very well-coached team. Well, one organization. You got Kristaps Porzingis. You got Luka Doncic. Surprising? Sure. Shocking? Probably not. Anybody else would be shocking. Memphis. I mean, most people... I mean, people don't even think Memphis is going to win the eight seed, which I think is absolutely insane. Every... Like, it's it's 100% in their favor to, for them to hold on to the eight spot. Portland, we've seen Ariza remove himself from the conversation. San Antonio, we've seen LaMarcus Aldridge go off and have surgery. Phoenix, they have no business being here. Portland, or excuse me, uh, already mentioned Portland. New Orleans. New Orleans would obviously be, be, be very surprising. I think media is desperate to get rid of the Kings and get rid of the Grizzlies and and have have a team like the New Orleans Pelicans get that eight spot. So we have the lustful storyline of the Pelicans versus the Lakers. 
And then, of course, you have the Kings. So all of those teams that we just named, the, the teams competing for the eight spot, the Memphis Grizzlies who are actually in the eight spot, all of those teams advancing even to a conference finals would be shocking. But I, I, we forget, this isn't, this isn't the NFL. Like, this isn't a one-off. This isn't a situation where, you know, a team can have a game plan, and they, the Tennessee Titans, for example, they can come out and they can have a game plan against the Baltimore Ravens, who ran roughshod with their MVP quarterback and, and the whole system that they were running over everybody all year, but then they run into Derrick Henry and, and Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans, and everything just comes to a screeching halt for them. Like, it's not a one-off. We're talking best of seven here. So even if, you know, Orlando, for example, is able to go out and beat the Bucks in game one, you think they're going to be able to do it three more times? Whoever winds up getting the eighth seed in the Western Conference, it, 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 and that's kind of just how I look at this. It's one thing for a team to beat another one once. March Madness. It's the lure of March Madness. It's the one and done. You don't have a time. You don't have time to warm up to your opponent. Same thing in the NFL. You don't have time to warm up to your opponent. You don't have time to game plan in between games because there aren't any in between games. It's, it is now or never. The NFL or the NBA, excuse me, it's a strategic, it's a, it's a layout of, of winning the best, of, of winning four out of seven. Best of seven series. Which is why I don't, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any asterisk to this. I don't think there's going to be any like outlandish champion. The only thing that serious because I don't think the season is tainted yet. I think it's weird. It's uncomfortable. We don't like it, but we're trying to crown an NBA champion here. I don't think the season is tainted yet. What taints the series is, you know, somehow a marquee player, a LeBron James, a Kawhi Leonard, a Paul George, an Anthony Davis, a James Harden, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, those types of guys. Like, and you, you see where I'm saying, like, star players for their teams if they wind up testing positive before a big series, before the start of a big series, or in the middle of a big series. Because with that is going to come, well, how did they get exposed to the virus? And then there's going to be... Because if any star player gets exposed to the virus in a meaningful at a meaningful time of the season or postseason, I guess I should say. There are going to be talks of conspiracies. There are going to be talks of who infiltrated the Lakers, who like the like the famous Kobe Burger, who gave Kobe Bryant that hamburger that made him sick. Oh, that's 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 a hundred percent going to be there. It was a it was a disgruntled staff. It was a uh a former Cleveland native who's mad LeBron left. It was a, a Miami Heat fan. You know, all of those silly things. It's, it's, it's real. Because it's sports. We can make anything real in sports. Whether there is any legitimacy to a disgruntled fan or a disgruntled hotel employee infecting a star player with COVID-19. Now, there aren't COVID-19 tests for hotel employees, which I'm fascinated by the temperature thing. And maybe this is just something I have not studied up enough on regarding the virus is, is the first symptom your temperature's up? 
if so, is it like running? Because I feel like if you were running a fever, you would know. I don't think a fever sneaks up on you. I mean, maybe I haven't run a fever enough. But I, I feel like that's not something that sneaks up on you. I feel like you know right away. Oh, man. I don't feel like that's asymptomatic. But they do temperature checks. It's like what the WWE has been doing. Oh, we've been monitoring, you know, everybody who has stepped into our training facility. Oh, yeah, how? Oh, we've been doing temperature checks. Yeah, well, you guys have had two positive cases. Two, two of your performers, one on the broadcasting team, one on the, uh, one of the um, developmental talents, they got tested separately outside of the WWE, both tested positive. So whatever you guys are doing isn't working. I'm worried about this strategy. I'm worried about this strategy by, by hotel employees or, or by the hotels for their employees. And I wonder if there's a way, and it's probably way too late for this, but is there a way that the NBA helps foot the bill of employees? And, and I don't even know that there's enough rooms to pull this off, but maybe there's a handful of, again, using an all too familiar term, essential employees who can basically be in the hotel 24-7 for, let's say, like a week at a time. And maybe that's just not, maybe that's not feasible in real life. It's feasible for NBA players. But we all know that, you know, you know the, the NBA, it's, it's not real life. They don't have daycare. You know what I mean? Like, they don't, they don't they're, they're in, and I say that after telling this Trevor Ariza story, so that's terribly unfair of me, forgive me, but you, really, you, you understand what I'm saying. These guys are on the road all the time if they have kids, you know, their their significant other, they have, you know, a family member or whoever taking care of their kids. It's not going to be the case, almost certainly not going to be the case with, you know, hotel employees who have, you know, daycare that they've got to go pick their kids up, you know, immediately following their shift at the hotel or whatever the case may be. I'm just trying to come up with ways to even, because again, it's a figurative bubble. It is not a literal, a literal bubble. So a couple of things to watch over the course of the next 24 hours before we take the air here on the podcast tomorrow. Uh, how many more players decide that they don't want to be a part of this because tomorrow is the deadline? And people who were tested yesterday and today uh, will start to, at least I assume, you know, public, I, I assume that positive tests are going to be public knowledge. That could be a terrible assumption on my part, but I, I would think that that's the case. You know, if someone isn't lingering around practice or someone isn't, you know, doing, and I, I keep calling it practice, if someone isn't at the facility doing one-on-one -on -one workouts, or maybe there are questions raised. And, gonna, and if you test positive today, you're not going to be around for a little while. You're going to fall into the quarantine period for, I think the NBA's time was 10 days, if I remember correctly, and you get tested again after five. Your second test comes, I think, after five days, and then you have to pass to test I believe they are both I, th I think they have to be like 24 hours apart if I'm not mistaken but not much more just kind of right right in that vicinity of 24 hours apart so it's going to be an interesting few days in the world of the NBA for sure um let's head over to baseball it looks like we've got okay I'm going to stop short of saying baseball is on the way back. Um, and I'm going to say it looks like baseball is almost 
back. There are a couple of conditions that still have to be met. The Major League Baseball, they decided to go with a 60-game a, a season. They didn't counter the proposal that the Major League Baseball Players Association put out there, They, uh, which was probably the first good-faith gesture of this entire process is there were rumors earlier in the day, or, or specifically there were reports earlier in the day, that they were not going to, uh, they were not going to approve uh, this proposal. And what it looked like is they didn't, they didn't approve it as it was written. There's a few tweaks to it. It is still a 60-game season, which is uh, important for the players. Uh, there's a universal designated hitter for the next two seasons. Uh, there's a guaranteed $25 million in the playoff pools in 2020. Uh, there's $33 million in forgiven salary advances that would increase the take-home pay of 61% of major league players. Uh, overall earnings for players of 104% uh, of prorated salary. And over the last two days, major league baseball has agreed to remove uh, expanded postseasons in the 2021 in order to address player concerns. So, those are the parameters. The most important thing that still has to be done is they want to report, by the way, they want players back uh, ready to report for camp or, or I don't know what to call it, spring training or, or summer training. I don't know what you call it. They want them to report by July 1st. I have a question, though. What the hell are they supposed to report? We have just shut down a number of a number of uh, training facilities. Where, where are these teams supposed to report, particularly if you're in Florida or Arizona or Texas? Where are you supposed to go? So this is a quote from uh, the press release that went out. In order to produce a schedule with a specific number of games, we are asking that the Players Association provide to us by 5 p.m. today with two pieces of information. The first is whether players will be able to report within seven days. That's July 1st. Uh, the second is whether the Players Association will agree on the operating manual, which contains the health and safety protocols necessary to give us the best opportunity to conduct and complete our regular season and postseason. So what this really, really boils down to are the safety protocols. How will players be tested? How will they be kept safe? How will their families be kept safe? And, boy, that's a tall ask for, you know, at the time that this went out, it would probably have been, and I'm sure it was agreed to, you know, well before it was released to the public, but that's a tall ask for just over 24 hours to agree on how you're going to keep every baseball player, coach, manager, all of that, how everybody is going to be kept safe. But this is the closest that they've been. You know, this is this is definitely the closest they have been. But this this it's it's not. You know, we can't turn away from. We can't turn away from the operating procedures. We can't turn turn, turn away from the safety protocols yet. Th those have to be addressed, and they have to be addressed to the players' liking. I don't know that I mentioned this. If I didn't, I apologize. It's a sixty-game schedule. That's the target. The target is a 60-game schedule. But a lot of that is going to be dependent on how quickly the safety protocols... If everything goes perfectly and the protocols are in place for the players, uh, 
they'll be back at whatever camp is supposed to look like on July 1st. Uh, we're going to have 60 Major League Baseball games plus a postseason. If not, uh, in the safety protocols, because I imagine that the only hang-up here at this point is the safety protocols. I think it'll be, a, 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 it, we, we might see the 60 turn to 59, and we might see it turn to 58. We might see it get into the 55 range uh, as they iron out these protocols. I don't know that this is a contentious spot of negotiation for the players or the Players Association. I feel like this was kind of the last, this is kind of the, the, the cross the T's, dot the I's thing. But I also believe that you know, the fact that the players agreed, or there are reports, I should say, that the players are going to agree to, you know, everything that's going to be put out there. And, and, and there's a belief that the season is going to be able to start on time, but the safety protocols still have to be, those, those are completely separate, separate from the designated hitter stuff, from the salary stuff, from the number of game stuff. And remember the number of games, it all boils that, that all reverts back to salary. It wasn't that they wanted to play more games. It's that they wanted to be able to make more money. So the fact that the Major League Baseball, the owners didn't, you know, counter that when they could have gone all the way down to 48 or 50 games as part of the uh, commissioner's mandate to start the season. It's a it's again, the first good faith gesture that we've seen from. The Major League Baseball owners, probably the first good faith gesture that we've seen from either side uh, since all of this has started. A couple of follow ups as we wrap up here today, you know, if you can want to connect with the show you can 916-888-5898 i appreciate your continued support here on the podcast and i appreciate your support over there on patreon.com slash damien barling as well quick reminder new episode of relive drops tomorrow i'm probably going to be pushing that a lot more i'll probably start airing trailers you know during the show i think i did that with the cm punk episode podcast just see this podcast is different the relive podcast is different because you can listen to it not that you can't with this one but I always thought with, you know, the daily podcast, it was a little, a, at least a little bit more time sensitive, right? Because the news cycle is so quick and I've, you know, things have greatly changed for all of us as those news cycles have slowed down incredibly because there haven't really been any sports. So, you know, people are still listening to episodes and always have, you know, people have always listened to episodes that are days old and weeks old. The thing with the relive podcast is you could just get to it whenever you have time. It is not time sensitive at all and it just hasn't caught on the same way that this one has and i know it's a tall ass to ask everybody hey yeah i also know that a lot of people aren't wrestling fans but i'm telling you this podcast is really good like i am creatively proud of this podcast so if you're a wrestling fan go check it out i'm gonna be begging you as i often beg you for stuff uh to go take a listen to that podcast if you are a past or present wrestling fan relive uh with damian barling available on this podcast platform that you're listening to the show on I saw the Bubba Wallace stuff yesterday. I saw the stuff with NASCAR. I'm going to reserve comment until the the situation from Sunday night is investigated a little bit further. Um, I don't want to celebrate that moment, not knowing for certain that it wasn't one of those guys behind him that threw that noose in the in the uh, in the garage. Maybe not necessarily a driver. Maybe a member of a garage. Maybe a media person. Like, I, I I don't know. I just have to imagine if you're walking into Bubba Wallace's garage, you're walking into the number 43 car's garage, that there are cameras, not only a camera, but a decent number of cameras 
all over the place because this is this is a man's car. I, I have to imagine it, couldn't it have been a fan, could it have? I don't think so. I think I read that NASCAR is bringing in a the FBI or something. It was a moment. It was a hell of a moment. It was hell of a, a hell of a visual. Certainly very emo- uh, emotional uh, for Bubba Wallace. I can't imagine what he's going through. Um, but I'm, I'll hold off. I'll hold off just a little bit longer. I'd like to see how NASCAR uh, continues to investigate this, uh, what they find, uh, and, and, and how hard they're working on this investigation. So I'll hold off comment on that. You want to connect with the show? Again, 916-888-5898. Good or bad, I take all criticisms. I take all texts. I love to hear from each and every single one of you. 916-888-5898. You can connect on email, Barling at me. Com. Again, that is DamienBarling at me.com. If you want to check out what we're building over on Patreon, go check us out at patreon.com slash DamienBarling. Or you could just go to the website, DamienBarling.com. There's a Patreon button in the upper left-hand corner. Appreciate you so much, as always, uh, for being with me here uh, on this Tuesday, June 23rd. Hope you'll be back with us here tomorrow. Have a great day. Uh, be safe. Mask up. We'll see you here tomorrow on the podcast with Damien Barling.